0: All right, Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, there is a Bible app event for this, and that will help you if you want to follow along that way. Um, in a few moments, we'll be taking the bread and the cup, communion together, and uh, I hope you've prepared yours at home. We have talked over the past several months about how angry people seem to be today, and uh, I've heard a couple people use the same phrase. There seems to be a cloud of anger over society today, and and that dark cloud, as it hangs over us, there. There are a lot of things we blame for the anger that we feel. Sometimes we want to blame the mainstream media, and aren't they fun to target, right? Yeah, they're easy, an easy target, right? Other times we will blame politicians, and I think they're even more fun to target. Sometimes we blame social media, and I don't know, do you remember when your mom said, when you point one finger at them, three are pointing back at you? If you're on social media, and blaming social media. Yeah, there's that thing to think about, right? But this anger kind of thing, we think, why are we so angry? And I have something I want to throw into the mix. And it might make you angry (laughs) when I say it. I, I just want you to think about this. Could it be that we're so angry because we failed to honor the fourth commandment? Could it be for Christians, at least, that we're angry because we haven't made gathering together on a Sabbath, as much as a priority as Myrtle's order made it. Myrtle, in 93 years, how many Sundays did you miss? That's right, four, probably. (laughs) Right, yeah, yeah. Wait a minute, did Pastor Steve just say our problem is we're not coming to church? Man, he is just so arrogant. He's all the time just trying to guilt trip us and put us down. You know that's not true about me, right? It's not true about me at all. And I'm not really saying our problem is we don't come to church, especially to you who are online in church or present here in church. Let me say more precisely what I'm thinking. Could it be that one reason Christians are angry is because we're treating the fourth commandment as though it were a mere suggestion? And when we do that, we're bound to suffer. It's just kind of a theory I have that that's one of the many contributing factors to what we're experiencing today. It's not always the case, but don't dismiss it out of hand. Your emotional, your physical, and your spiritual health may be more tied to the way you treat the Sabbath than you've been thinking about. And if that's the case, I'd like to help you with that. And if you know me, you know, I'm not trying to guilt you into coming to church. And if you know me, you know that all I'm trying to do is help you to be spiritually well and spiritually healthy. Before we dive into this commandment, I just want to talk to you about some of the things that Jesus says, because he brings such freedom and liberty when he speaks. Jesus says this. He says, which one of you guys, talking to religious people, if your sheep falls in the pit on the Sabbath, doesn't stop what you're doing and pull it out? So, it's good to do that kind of work on the Sabbath, Jesus is saying. So Jesus wasn't legalistic about the Sabbath. You know, Billy Graham said something kind of comical along these lines. I can see him smiling, and he said, You know, absolutely, Jesus is right. But if your sheep is falling into the pit every Sabbath, you might want to eat it. All <laughs> right, Yeah, good job. Here's something else that Jesus says about the Sabbath that brings freedom and liberation. He says the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Years and years ago, I, someone gave me tickets to see the Steelers play the Ravens. Wow, this was back in the Ben Roethlisberger, Ray Lewis days, you know. I was so excited. That game was on Sunday, if you can imagine that, right? And so I took a day off and went. And a dear friend of mine, who's gone to be with the Lord, came to me and said, that's the Sabbath. I don't know if you should be doing that. I understand that. And I respect that man to this day with all my heart. But I also understand the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. But if those extracurricular activities are coming upon your Sabbath week after week after week after week, you might want to start following baseball or hockey instead of Sunday game Steelers. Here's another thing. There are people who, due to health concerns, just can't gather together with others for worship. And we're so thankful they can gather here online with us. And I would say to you, if you are vulnerable during this pandemic or if ones you love and are with are vulnerable, God would never call you to risk their lives by gathering together. He's not telling you to make an unnecessary risk. One other thing before we dive in. There are individuals whose employer demands they work on a Sabbath. Before you would ever condemn them, think about the times you've gone out to eat on Sundays, <laughs> or even pulled in and got some gas on your way to church or on your way home. I don't want to condemn them. In fact, as I was thinking of this, I, I thought to myself, think of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael, their Hebrew names. They were in a pagan land as slaves, virtually speaking. I'm pretty sure that the Babylonians didn't say, oh, the Jewish Sabbath? By all means, we don't expect you to serve us on that day. Nah, no, I don't think that happened. I think if it would have happened, it would have been recorded how Daniel dealt with it. If you stick to it, or if you're stuck, rather, in that position, you can be creative with the Sabbath. And you can still Sabbath despite your work schedule. We've actually been going through the Ten Commandments because we're going through Bible stories and we came to Exodus 20. And we're on the fourth one today. And I'm going to read the text to you. I'm going to put it on the screen or you can read it from the book. On the screen, it's some pretty small text. you see it there? Here's what it says. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God on it. And as I was thinking of this, I thought, you know, I've probably violated this commandment a lot of times. A lot of times. Not just because I'm a pastor and I happen to work on the Sabbath, but even when I set aside this will be my Sabbath day since I work Sunday, I still find myself violating it. And I think probably, if we're honest, we would all say the same thing. I mean, even though this commandment has so many words, look at the screen, And other commandments only have two words in Hebrew. Even though there's so much text here, there are other commands that we are a little more more straightforward to obey. For example, the commandment, do not commit adultery. None of us say, well, I'll obey that commandment three out of four weeks a month. None of us say that, right? Or the commandment, thou shalt not murder. None of us say, well... I've met a lot of people that need killing. (laughs) And I haven't killed all of them, right? We we just don't, right? But what are the Sabbaths? I want to suggest to you that regularly ignoring the Sabbath is unhealthy to you emotionally, physically, and especially spiritually. And the signs will show. This is not a scientific list by any means, but here's some things that, that might let you know you need to practice the Sabbath. One is that you don't smile as much as you used to. Maybe your sense of humor has galled. Maybe you can't remember the last time you laughed so hard your side hurt, or the last time you said, I have a headache from laughing. Maybe you need to practice the Sabbath. Or what about this one? You struggle to find joy or healthy pleasure. You don't seem to have an appetite. Nothing sounds good. And maybe doing that hobby that you used to just love to do just kind of seems like a bother these days. Maybe you need to practice the Sabbath. Or what about this? You sleep differently than you once did. Maybe you want to sleep all the time, and you know that's not good. Or maybe you're unable to sleep to calm your mind and to find that place of stillness, and you know that's not good. Maybe you need to practice the Sabbath. Or perhaps you're a little more, um, you're a little disconnected from people who you love. Maybe you feel lonely, even when you're with friends. Or maybe gatherings that you once enjoyed aren't as fulfilling as they were. Maybe you need to practice the Sabbath. Or maybe you're more irritable than you once were. If you're married, check with your spouse on this one. (laughs) Maybe the humans are driving you crazy. You know, that's one of my sayings. I just don't understand the humans. They're so weird. Maybe they're driving you even more crazy than they used to drive you. And maybe you find yourself overreacting to circumstances and you find yourself having to go to people you love and say, I'm sorry, I overreacted. I'm sorry, I overreacted. I'm sorry, I did it again. I overreacted. And maybe you just need to practice the Sabbath. Or maybe your anxiety level is high. Anxiety is the new depression, right? And maybe you find yourself worrying about things that, if you think about it, you never worried about them before and they turned out okay. But you just seem to have this cloud of dread or uncertainty (coughs) hovering over you. Maybe you need to practice the Sabbath. Or maybe you're less emotionally stable than you once were. And you find yourself crying about small things. Or at least wanting to cry. Real men don't cry about small things. I just want to clear that up for us guys, right? Or maybe you find yourself being unusual, volatile. Unusually volatile. And, 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 or even a little fragile. A little touchy. Maybe you need to practice the Sabbath. Now, this is not a scientific test. You understand that? And these symptoms can stem from many, many other causes. And I would suggest that if... Any of these symptoms are dominant in your life, then you talk to your doctor or talk to a counselor. Maybe a counselor who shares your faith would be helpful. However, these signs might be telling you that practicing Sabbath is something you need to prioritize. You can think of the reasons we need a Sabbath. One, we just plain need to rest. We just need to rest. I wrote a list of everything I've done in the past two days. And I could not believe all that I accomplished. I wrote it and sent it to my family so they would feel sorry for me. (laughs) That's why I wrote it down. Uh, The Sabbath is a day of rest. It is a time to relax. And the very idea of abstaining from work, from labor, is embedded right inside of it. We read it. I had the screen uh, lit up with the text a short time ago. Did you notice how often it speaks about labor and work? In verse 9, it says, six days you shall labor, there it is, and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, 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 rest. And he means everybody because he goes on to say, neither you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your animals, do not even on to animals working, nor the foreigner residing in your towns. <laughs> you know, so someone says, I'm into that. I like not working on a Sabbath. I hate the stuff I have to do around the house. Cutting the grass. I despise cutting the grass. I hate doing it. I'm not going to do it on Sunday. There you go, my friend. Don't do it. Someone else says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I love cutting the grass. You might want to go see that counselor I mentioned. <laughs> I love cutting the grass. I find it relaxing and my mind can dwell on the things of God when I'm going around there with my ear protection on or whatever, have at it, my friend. Have at it. But whatever you are doing on the Sabbath, be certain it is providing your spirit, your body, your soul, your heart with rest and relaxation. If you ever see me on my lawnmower on the Sabbath, I am deep in sin. (laughs) I don't like mowing. I grew up on a farm with a father who would not do any work on the Sabbath, unless he absolutely had to. Why? (laughs) Because he knew it is hard to worship God in song when you're repairing that fence. He also knew that it was hard to speak to God in prayer when that tractor won't start. The stuff you want to say isn't the stuff you're going to say to God in prayer. And he knew it's very hard to focus on the Word of God and the refreshment that can come from hearing from the Word of God When Nat McCormick 45 isn't tying the knots on that hay baler, you know? Sabbath provides you with all those things. Sabbath provides you with the space to relax. It is one of the things that makes this planet something more than a labor camp, so to speak. Are you Sabbathing as you come to communion later? Ask yourself that question. By the way, did you see what I did there when I said, are you Sabbathing? I verbed a noun. I love doing that. I'm going to do it more. Uh, turn to Genesis 2. Can you do that? First book of the Bible, second chapter. I want to talk to you about how the, the Sabbath is really a time to reflect, to look back on the week and think about what has happened, the highs and even the lows. It's a, a time for remembrance. You know, the Sabbath is actually rooted not in the Ten Commandments, but in the actual creation story. Genesis chapter 1, the seven days of creation are spelled out, actually the six days of creation are spelled out, and then chapter 2 begins to talk about the seventh day. As soon as I read these three verses, follow along if you can. Thus the heavens and earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, when God rested on a day, it wasn't because he was sleepy or tired. His muscles weren't aching. God can't get tired. He can't get sleepy. He rested because he was finished, because the job was done. Throughout the creation story, the Bible tells how at the end of each day, there's this phrase that comes out and says, God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good. If he's doing that at the end of each day, you have to know that at the end of the week, he's just got to sit back and say, yep, it's good. It is good. He saw that it is good. You know, occasionally, when my wife's father, Jim, he's pictured on the left there. When he was still living, he would, I would quietly observe him sort of looking on the family who was out in front of him there, in a moment of joy-filled reflection on his life, looking at his children and his grandchildren. Jim looked at what he saw and said, it is good. That's a healthy thing to do. That is what I think God was doing on day seven. That is what he allows us to do as we gather together on the Sabbath. And we need that. You and I need a day to put the everyday stresses aside and to reflect on what God has done for us and through us. That's what we do here every week, you know. Drew gets up with the worship team, and we praise God for the good that we have seen this past week and that he is good. And then an elder comes and prays and he thanks God for the week we have and trusts God for the needs we have. And then the pastor gets up and speaks. And we hear how God has been with us and trust that he will continue to be with us. The Sabbath is a time to reflect. So when you come to the Lord's Supper later on this morning, reflect. Reflect. Reflect on how well you're reflecting on the week, (laughs) the Sabbath. It's a time to rest. It's a time to reflect. It's a time to refill or to replenish. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus speaks of our need to come to him and find rest. And that rest is Sabbath-like rest. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Sabbath rest comes when we come to God and connect with him. (laughs) I have slept in on Sundays right through church. Not when it was my job, but when I was sitting in the pews. I want to say, as good as that was, I wasn't connecting with the one who can give me rest. I have sat on my front porch during the Sabbath, or back porch, Skip church that day. Just need some me time. And I connect with me, but I find I don't have the discipline to connect with God like I do when I'm here. I have uh, gone fishing on the Sabbath. I never have any luck on the Sabbath. I never have any luck on the other six days either. (laughs) And you know, you hear these guys, I don't know what it is, but you hear these, these people who they'll say, you know, when I'm out in the woods, I'm connected more with God than I am when I'm in church. They need a different church maybe, or they need a different attitude, or they need to just quit lying. Because <laughs> that's not happening for me. And wouldn't you think, if anyone could connect with God out in the woods by himself, it would be a preacher? Not like I can connect here. Not like I find myself connecting here. Do you remember the list? Do you smile less? Do you struggle to find joy? Do you sleep a little differently than you once did? Do you feel disconnected from people you love? Are you a little more irritable than normal? Does it kind of tick you off that your pastor's preaching about the Sabbath? (laughs) Is your anxiety level higher than it used to be? Are you less emotionally stable than you'd like to be? Maybe, just maybe, that is related to how you're treating the Sabbath. You see, seasoned Christians come to realize I love to use that phrase, seasoned Christians. Myrtle, do you know what that means? It means us old folk, (laughs) right? Yeah, seasoned Christians have come to realize that we've got to refill regularly. And we realize one of the best places to do that is at the filling station, right here, with our brothers and sisters in Christ. You can Sabbath well. See, I told you I'm going to verb that noun. How to Sabbath well. Well, you're not going to like the first point here. If it makes you really mad, maybe you need to Sabbath more. (laughs) Okay? The first point you're not going to like because I don't like it because we're human beings. And here's what it is. You're going to need to discipline yourself to get the work done. He he says, if you read the, the commandment, he says, you have six days to do all your work. All your work. I kind of, in my mind... I've come to a place as a pastor where I know Sunday's not going to be a Sabbath for me. I can't rest on Sunday. Even when I get home, I have trouble resting, especially if there's a Sunday night activity. And so I'm always got a high idol going, you know, even when I should be going, I still got the high idol going. High idol. Not a high idol hernia, a high idol. So in the past few years, I've come to the point where I kind of see Saturday as my Sabbath, particularly I see Saturday afternoon and evening as my Sabbath. And people said, hey, can you help me out on a Saturday afternoon? I've said no, because I just need that Sabbath. And when I get done with my sermon, I do this thing, it's from the original Star Trek, where I look at Laurel and I say, it is done. You know, it's so corny, you'd have to be an old Star Trek guy to get that. And she says, you've said it twice now, don't do it again. She has not like in my mind, here's what I'm thinking. My Sabbath has begun. It's going to run from now till 6.30 tomorrow morning. This is great. But (laughs) real God, real life, real people. I'm a real people. I don't always get it done early. There have been Saturday nights where Laurel has said, I'm going to go downstairs and watch some Netflix. And I say, I'm going to finish this sermon. And I hate it when that happens. And I will say to you that When I fail to discipline myself to do the work ahead of time, then do that sermon that night that there are a couple of different groups that fail or that suffer. One of them is me. I suffer. The other one is you. You suffer. You know what the name of the sermon is that I write late on Saturday night? It's a Saturday night special. And if you think, I don't know if i ever got one of those, you have. <laughs> and and then you think, oh, yeah, I'll bet that was one. Yeah, and that one too, yeah. Oh, pastor gives us a lot of those. No, I don't. No, I don't. Because I know that if I'm going to Sabbath well, I know that if I'm going to preach well and serve God well, I'm going to have to Sabbath well. And if I'm going to Sabbath well, then I'm going to have to discipline myself to do the work ahead of time. You follow that thinking? Let me ask you a really pointed question. Okay, here it is. Who suffers when you fail to discipline yourself to provide yourself with a Sabbath rest? I would guess the answer to that would be yourself and the people you love most. Sabbath is a gift for us. It's a beautiful thing. You can Sabbath well if you'll discipline yourself and you can Sabbath well if you take this time to recall good things that God has done for you. The week's blessings. Think about How this week has played out, and how even through the bad parts of the week, His presence walked with you. Maybe, maybe all you can say when you look back at the week is, "I survived." Well, that's worth saying, and that's worth celebrating. The Bible does not say explicitly what God did on the seventh day of creation; just says He rests. But it's hard to imagine that after six days of creating, He wouldn't take a moment. You know, just take a moment. At the start of that seventh day to say, oh yeah, that's the sunrise I had in mind. Wow. Yeah. That feels good. It's hard to imagine that God on that seventh day wouldn't find pleasure in the blueness of that ocean. Whoa. That is such a beautiful blue. Yeah it just isn't hard to imagine that he would smile at that naked little human running around on the planet and say, he's almost as cute as Pastor Steve's grandchildren. (laughs) It is healthy to reflect on the good things God has done you. That's why there's the old song, count your blessings. Count your many blessings, name them one by one. It'll surprise you what the Lord has done. It'll bless you when you do that. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbaths. So draw from it the blessedness of recollection, recalling the week's blessings. And it's kind of a no-brainer. Use the Sabbath to rest. Do you ever think of this, that worship is rest expressed? Well, let me explain what I'm saying by that. When we worship, we're acknowledging some things. First, we're acknowledging that there is a God who can do things that I just cannot do. And when I say that or sing that, then I can rest. (coughs) He can do the things I can't do. When we worship, we acknowledge that there is a God who loves us deeply. Oh, how he loves us. He loves us. And when I know that I am loved by the creator of the cosmos, then I can rest. Worship is a time when I acknowledge I can trust God. And when I know he is trustworthy, then I can rest. Here's something very interesting. When I worship with you and hear you say those things, it affirms the truth in my heart. When I was younger, I can remember the first funeral service I ever did. I had not been exposed to a lot of funeral services. Honestly, I can only think of one that I'd ever been to before I was doing a funeral service. (coughs) And it showed. (laughs) But after the funeral service, the family and friends who were gathered did something that my 26 year old brain thought was the weirdest thing I could possibly imagine. 25 year old brain. They all got in their cars and drove up the hill to the church at the top of the hill and went into the basement and had a big party. There was food laid out, it was like a big church fellowship dinner. And I'm looking, the woman who died was 56 years old. She suffered with cancer to the point of death. And her daughter was broken because that was her best friend. And my 25-year-old brain is saying, who thought this was a good idea? Because poor Janet. What must she be going through? Did I mention that seasoned Christians tend to be smarter than 25-year-old pastors? Now I know. That funeral event and that luncheon that followed said many things, not the least of which was this. You are not alone. You are not alone. You are not alone. Do you know what else says that? This gathering. Every week. You are reminded that no matter how messed up this world is, You are not alone. There is a God who cares for you. And as you gather together in worship, you discover with new appreciation the depth of his heart for you. And you connect with the people who are around you. Hmm. Don't you want that? I mean, think about it. Don't you want that? To have that refreshment? To have that rest? have that refilling I think we want it I think (laughs) we live in a world where the prince of the power of the air and that's the bad guy would offer us everything he could to prevent us from receiving that he would offer us bad things you should never do that and good things to keep us from receiving the Sabbath I don't want that to happen in your life I want you to be blessed by the Sabbath. But there's one more thing I have to say about the Sabbath. This is not in my notes. I just got to share this before I get there. When I used to say this is not in my notes, and I'd look at Laurel, there was this expression of stark panic on her young face. (laughs) when I I looked at her this time, she said, oh, really? I mean, that's what her nonverbal said. Oh, this will be interesting. The panic is gone. Isn't that cool? I'm growing a little bit at a time. I have to say this. Everything I've told you about the Sabbath is how good it is for you. This is good for you. Take it. This is good for you. Take it. it. This is good for you. Do it. This is good for you. Do it. You will be glad, you will be happy, you will be satisfied, you will be fulfilled, you will be healthy. It's you, 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 you. Let me say this. It's him. It is him. Because, although Jesus says, man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. When Jesus, because he's God, wrote the Ten Commandments, he said that God is the Lord of the Sabbath. It is all for him. So I would say to you that whether you got anything good out of Sabbathing, it would still be the right thing to do because he is God. And as God, he is worthy of our devotion. However, he's a good, good father. And so you don't have to just suck it up and say, I absolutely hate this, but I'll do it because he's God. You can say, I know I would need to do this whether you were blessing me or not, God. But I am thankful that you bless me. And I celebrate the Sabbath to celebrate your goodness in my life. We do the same with communion. It reminds us of his goodness in our life. So I'm going to ask the worship team if they'll come, and we will celebrate communion together. We go right to communion, and then, uh, but I do want to take a moment for you to just give some consideration and reflection to your week, (laughs) it's the Sabbath after all, and to the fourth (coughs) commandment, and what God might have been saying to you. I would also give you this moment, and one of the musicians will play in just a moment, I would also give you this moment so that you could just examine your life in general, the scripture says that one should examine oneself before eating the bread or drinking the cup. You should examine yourself with some regularity. And this is the time for you to do that. And just in the quietness of your heart, as the music plays in just a moment, take a few seconds, take those few moments to examine yourself before God as you recall your week and rest in him. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he had broken it, he gave thanks and gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body. We're going to give thanks for it. I'm going to ask one of our elders, David Clark, if he would pray a prayer of thanksgiving for the body of Christ, and we'll take it together. Dave. Heavenly Father, we are here before you humbled by the magnificence of your love for us. We take this element today in remembrance of your body, the sacrifice that you made on our behalf because of that love. And we are thankful for that. In Jesus' name, amen. The body of Christ. This is always a tricky part. It does feel like a personal victory when you get that off without spilling it, doesn't it? Having taken that moment to open this, let's refocus our attention. That which you hold in your hand, it is representative of the blood of Christ, the one who loved us and gave himself for us, the one who says to us, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. We celebrate that every Sabbath. I'm going to ask the elder if he would pray a prayer of thanks for the blood of Christ, and then we'll take it together. Eric? Lord, thank you for this symbol. Thank you for providing the ability to see you more clearly. Thank you for lifting us up. Thank you for providing for us. Thank you for everything that you do. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for the blood that you spilled for us. We praise you, Lord. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. The blood of Christ. scripture says after they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. I think they sang number 145 in our hymnal. That's what we're going to sing anyway. If you're comfortable doing so, let's sing together.